Hey everyone, I'm Josh Loftus, and this is the Everyday a Monday podcast, the podcast where we talk about everyday people doing everyday things in everyday churches. Whether you're a pastor, a plumber, or the random person that still unironically drives a Hummer, this podcast is for you. This is where we find value in the trenches of Christian life. Welcome to the Everyday a Monday podcast. And uh, with me in the podcast studio today, coming from, is it Spokane? Spokane, Washington, right? Correct. All right, so coming from Spokane, Washington, is Jay Wiley, like Wile E. Coyote. That's how you say the last name. So, Jay, thanks for being with me today, man. That's my pleasure. All right. So, Jay, uh, before we kind of get going, give me give me a short bio of yourself, uh, just kind of who you are, what you do, uh, married, kids, job, well, I, I just told a bunch of guys the other day that I'm about to turn 39, but I'm actually about to turn 38. I've been kind of losing track. So I'm uh, <laughs> 37, about to turn 38, uh, father and husband. I have a one-year-old daughter and a six-year-old son and been married a little bit over five years now. All right. Fantastic, man. So what do you do for a living, Jay? I work at a nonprofit, so I have multiple hats. I think anybody that's worked at a nonprofit can kind of identify with that. There's the job that you're hired to do. And then since you're at a nonprofit and there's needs and not enough money to actually fulfill those needs, you do whatever it is that's needed. So I used to be a supervisor and then that turned into supervisor slash maintenance man. But then we actually got funds to hire a maintenance man. So I don't have to do that anymore. Like fixing the laundry, uh, if there's a pipe that burst, whatever. I was the one that was to go do that. So now I'll also start doing uh, case management. I do case management with some families. So I'll meet okay. with, with homeless families on a weekly basis and kind of help them set up a game plan, a budget for getting back into housing. And I have another title that I've given myself, but my bosses want me to change it. I call myself the data dude. So okay. Now, now, data, data, as in not not father, data, yeah, but yeah. but as in as in Some like people say data, info. You know, yeah. data, dude. Okay, data there dude. we go. <laughs> so there's a bunch of information that we're required to collect and report to the city and federal government uh, for receiving funds from the government. Sure. Yeah. So uh, I'm responsible for the collection of that, making sure it's timely, making sure it's accurate, and then um, it's kind of growing into an actual like data analysis position. Wow. Okay. All right. And I might have asked, uh, what's the name of the nonprofit? So it's Family Promise of Spokane is the found, is the nonprofit. And then we have four programs. So I'm specifically at the shelter called Open Doors, which is a shelter specifically for families. We have other shelters that do singles, but we're the only shelter in all of Spokane County that lets families stay together as a family unit. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. No. I, I. I oddly know what that's like. I. I. I used to work as a case manager, uh, mm-hmm. for for singles, finding them housing and employment and schooling and stuff like that. So it's a lot of yeah. work. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's 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 a lot of work. Um. What What would you say as you you know as you think about your job there? What would you say is the the hardest part of that job for you? And then on the flip side, what's what's the what's the best? What's the most rewarding? Well. I'll start with the most rewarding part. You know, I think we're right. kind of touching on it. Definitely being here with these people that are in need. Uh, I've always been very relaxed and easygoing. And 
being able to be the, the first face that a homeless family sees when they come into a shelter and they just lost their housing. Crazy drama goes on at the shelter, but it strangely doesn't happen during my shifts. And I feel like uh, <laughs> <Okay. laughs> bring, bringing the Holy Spirit into an environment like this is really useful. So I, I like having my presence here, specifically God's presence through me and being able to just be that sense of relief to somebody that's experiencing a, a very traumatic event. Okay. So, or, that, that or they're just terrified of the beard, man. Yeah, it's gonna definitely gonna calm people down. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> that kind of goes into some of my passions. You know, I'm very passionate about things, and I have very strong opinions on things. So, the, the children is what really gets to me when uh, children don't ever choose to be homeless. You know, the, it's usually going to be the, something with the parents. You know, mm. it's it's very rare that something happened from the kid and that's what caused them to be homeless right. so i see kids being ignored all the time they're just given a cell phone or a tablet and put in a corner and also their their diets is something that weighs on my heart you know their their parents are just giving them mountain dew in the morning and oh man uh, top ramen for breakfast and then here's a tablet here's your top ramen here's your mountain dew you know shut up sit right there don't bug me while they're going out having their smoke breaks, you know, that's not a hundred percent of the time. There are families that come in here that are really great parents. Sure. Yeah. 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 The homeless situation is very unique per household, but I I do see a bunch of children trying to raise children, you know, people that didn't have a structured family and don't have that new creation in them of uh, the Holy spirit that helps them want to love and nurture and care for their child. And it's, it, it really makes me sad. So usually when we have volunteers come in and they ask me, hey, what can we do? My go-to move is go read a book to those children over there. Go play with them. Go do crafts. Uh, just give them some type of attention other than, you know, no, be quiet. No, stop that. Be quiet. Sure. Sure. Yeah. And that's got to be tough, you know, especially you as a father and a yeah. Christian. Yeah. Both. It's because it's you're, holding, you're holding two things. You're holding that you obviously want to be gracious, you want to be merciful and help the people that come in on your caseload. But then at the same time, you're sitting there looking like, man, yeah. you're, you're just, you know, the decisions that you're making are just, are just awful, yeah. awful, you know, and, and you need, you know, it's almost, it's almost like they need the gospel or something like yeah. that, Jay, right? <laughs> that brings up another good point. You know, I've, I've had this other passion of mine that I feel like the church in general has failed. You know, we as a shelter are government funded. And mm. being government funded, my hands are tied in the amount of gospel that I'm allowed to share with these guys. Yeah, they are. I've actually yeah. been reprimanded a few times for being a little bit too forward with, with my beliefs on, on certain subjects. So really, I'm kind of upset with the church that we aren't taking care of the homeless and we've left it up to the government to fund these programs, which severely limits what we can do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's a completely different mentality than anything the government's going to do, right? Yeah, because yeah. because especially and not just the government, but but anybody who is trying to bring change into somebody's life, long-lasting change, and if it's void of the gospel, yeah. it's either just going to be circumstantial <clears throat> or behavior modification at best. Yeah. Right? And it's not going to be something that actually per- I mean, I mean that's what Christ said, you know, what 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 would it gain a man, you know, to gain housing, to gain a job, yeah. to gain all of this, all of this stuff and lose his soul. Yeah, right? Exactly. So it's and 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 I agree with you. I think 
alt, it, it should be the churches. It should mm-hmm. be the churches that are doing this. And I mean, that's, yeah. that's what pure and undefiled religion is, right? Taking care of the widow and the orphan in their need. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's, yeah, no, I know. I completely agree. Um, uh, so shifting gears a little bit, Jay, tell me about how, how you came to faith in Christ. How did, how did Christ find you? Well, I'm definitely, you know, a, a doctrines of grace guy. Okay. So I, Good man. I was, I was pursued, <laughs> you know, I was kicking and screaming the whole time trying we to work. But uh, I, I definitely, even when I was not a believer yet, had conversations where you know, I would try to pray and it just didn't feel right. But um, I remember you know, finally being gifted that faith, you know, the whole I'm saved by grace through faith and that mm-hmm. faith is not of my own doing a gift of God. So no man may boast. Yeah. So I completely understand that whatever understanding of the Bible that I have been given is a gift from God. So yeah. that's, that's been helping me in my walk to not be so confrontational with people that have different, opinions right of, of yeah different, uh, different beliefs in the bible as long as it's not a salvation issue i try not to push it I, I was one of those dudes that would have those facebook conversations with people when i was in my cage <laughs> slightly, stage. slightly yeah. i was just gonna say that slightly cage yeah. stage right I was yeah a little cage stage. me and my wife both were yeah but, but definitely yep. you know i was 32 by the time I, I gained a saving knowledge of christ all right. And did you grow up in the church? Or, yeah, I was or... raised kind of Mormon. You know, I never believed oh, in okay. it, but my, my okay. mom and my dad were Mormon growing up. My dad met my mom on his mission in Honduras. Okay. So the that's how they met. And they never really took it seriously. You know, they divorced. And, you know, there, there's a lot of, uh, there's like a saying, I don't know exactly where it's from, but the, some people say that your first impressions of God are going to come from your father. And I really kind of identified with that, you know, growing up, he wasn't really in my life. So I was like, yeah, like I I have a dad and I think he loves me. I'm not really sure. And that was my general feeling about God growing up that, yeah, he's probably there. He maybe probably loves me. I'm not really 100% sure. And having my own son has kind of really kicked that into gear, you know, modeling that relationship. Our pastors at our church were just talking about the us having kids isn't really about what we can do for them as much as it's them helping us be sanctified. It's mm, a real sure. great sancti- sanctification process for the, for the parents learning right. patience and understanding and endurance and all that. So it's definitely through, you know, I actually was with my wife now, but she was my girlfriend we knew each other for two months when we fig- found out that we're, she was pregnant with my son. So uh, God actually brought us both to the faith pretty much at the same time. Okay. Uh, through uh, we, we did a musical together called Godspell. And we started uh, going to a church service that her brother invited us to. So for five days a week, four, five, six hours each day, I was speaking and singing God's word. And on Sundays, going and, and listening to these sermons and I'll admit that my my first few Sundays there, it was for selfish reasons. That's where I got that real heart change. And that's where he created in me a new heart that desired to serve others. Yeah. I've I've always been serving myself and very selfish. And it just flipped it outside to where I wanted to serve others. You mentioned a little while ago about your guys' church. Where do you where do you currently where do you currently worship? So it's Faith Bible Church. Okay, Faith Bible Church in Spokane, right? Yes. 
Okay. All right. So what's one aspect, when you think about your church, what is one of the main aspects of your church that, that you really appreciate, that, that you really value? And and if you were kind of the first time, first time visitor, what would it be about your church that, that would make you stay? It was definitely their desire for discipleship, where they're really interested in being accountable to each other and providing many avenues for us to grow in the word and just grow in our faith and, you know, act that out in the, in the real world. In what ways are you, uh, possibly you and your wife, but specifically you, what, what ways are you serving in your church? How are you, how are you engaging in the community of your church on a, on a weekly basis? So Wednesday nights, we watch the three and four year olds. So there's growth groups that meet on Wednesday nights there. So the parents that come to the church, to receive their discipleship. We watch their kids for them on Wednesday nights. It's called Discovery at our church. We call it Discovery. So the kids, we have different classes for all age groups. So my wife and I got asked to do the threes and fours. I slapped the bass with one of our worship teams. That's another thing I appreciate. <laughs> uh, we have like five or six different worship teams that we rotate through. Oh, wow. So, okay. So I slap the bass on one. And sometimes, you know, I'll, I'll play on one or two other ones too. And my wife okay. sings on one of the worship teams. That's awesome. So let's see. In just kind of the point of this podcast is really kind of bringing the value and the importance back to everyday service in the local church. Uh, you know, I, I say to, to most of my guests, I think, you know, just in my opinion, the church society that we live in today has the the propensity to kind of gravitate toward a celebrity pastor model and how everybody just kind of gravitates toward this one person mm-hmm. uh, as kind of the end and all of, of church, right? And what yeah. happens with that, one, it sets up that pastor for a huge fall if they're mm-hmm. not surrounded by accountability. But I think even more detrimentally, it takes the person that is serving – in church, in what many might call the the mundane or monotonous tasks, and it strips the value away from that. Yeah. Right. So when you think about work, both in and out of church, and the janitor that's cleaning the church bathrooms, right, the person that's yeah. serving in the kitchens, uh, the, the 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 Sunday school teacher, the person that is printing the bulletins every Sunday morning, right. When you think about the everyday, you know, air quotes, mundane service of church. How should we be viewing that in light of the gospel and in light of what what our our relationship is ultimately with Christ, but also with each other? Well, those those positions are really like that's the moneymaker. That's those are the people that I value the most. At uh, my previous church, I was uh, ordained a deacon there, and I loved that. Uh, we had a special like a text group of whenever somebody needed something done and I'd receive a text there like, Oh, so-and-so just fell and broke his elbow and he can't go out and rake his yard. And boom, I was all up on that. I'll go over there, sneak in, rake their yard, take their leaves, bounce out. They didn't even know who was in there. Uh, Because prior to salvation, I struggled with a lot of conceit and I was really big headed and then I had my, my ego was was really big. So I, I tend to, shy away from titles and recognition now because I don't, I don't like how the, how I was like that before salvation. So sure. when it, when it comes to serving in the church, if there's stuff that I can do where nobody will know that I did it, except for maybe the person that asked me to do it, I, I love those things. And those are the people that I personally 
like love and honor, you know, almost more than the, the elders there. But like, like you've said, that's not the norm. Like, you know, people do gravitate towards like the pastor, which is another one of the things I love about my church is that there's not like a pastor. Like, yeah, we have somewhere around 14 elders. So, yeah. the, but there's still, even with 14 pastors, the tendency to gravitate towards the one, you know, like there's the main one where, you know, we're, we're naturally just like Israel wanting our king. <laughs> you know, it's like, yes, yeah, we want that person that's going to lead us that we can all point to. And that's the person, you know, that's going to be the end all and be all, which is really too much responsibility for one person. Yeah, no, it really is. It really is. You know, and what happens so often, sadly, is and we see it in our in our I mean, we're seeing it now. You know, we see these pastors that rise to the prestige that they do. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the the pride of man takes over as it does. You know, I've often said that I don't think that Christians were wired to be worshipped. We were wired to worship. Right. That's that's why we were created. We were created to worship God. And when those roles get reversed and we begin, we, we start to become the object of worship. Uh, we're not wired to handle that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, we're not wired to handle that correctly. Yeah. Um, and so often you see, you see the, the large falls of these men, um, from their pastor position and it just rocks the Christian community, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and you look at it and, you know, from the outside, you know, and it's easy always to make judgments from the outside, of course, but you look at it and you're like, Oh, it, it really, most of them, most of them are so avoidable. You know, yeah. you set, you set up the accountability around yourself mm-hmm. and you set up the, you know, the, the team that, that, that's, that's okay to call you on stuff. And, uh, and, yeah. and most of those, most of those situations could be easily avoided, I think. Um, but well, yeah, kind of off on a tangent here, but, but you know, kind of going back to, going back to valuing the everyday service in the church, how would you, and and ergo us how do you think we should be encouraging the person who is serving in church and 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 saying you know i just don't think that my gifts are being used i don't feel as if that that my contribution to the church is valued uh and perhaps they're in a church where that's the case you know you know maybe maybe the church they're at the leadership doesn't appreciate how they're serving whatever the case may be how would you encourage that person be like no you doing what you do in church, that's important. So I think really the, the best way that for me personally would make people feel encouraged and and encourage them to keep on serving the way that they're doing is to be a, a trench mate, get in there and serve with them. Right. If you see somebody right. cleaning up the bathrooms, go grab a broom and help them sweep up. Go scrub one of the toilets so they don't have to scrub it. Take out the trash. Go grab the vacuum and start vacuuming for them, you know, yeah. be there in the battle with them. That's, that's where you get that unity. When you see your brothers and sisters with you fighting the same fight and right. don't go for the recognition. Don't tell anybody about it. Just go there and do it. You know, cause you might run into those people that want to be anonymous still and just want to serve and don't want the recognition. Our church is fairly large. So that was one of my fears when I first went to our church was that there's not going to be any opportunity for service yeah. because we're, we have so many people, but really we're the, the church is stuck with the same attitude as America or the world as, as a whole that, Oh, somebody else will do it. Sure. So, sure. so even though there's a lot of people in our church, there was still 
you know, holes for a bass player and holes in the, in the kids ministry and holes elsewhere. <laughs> There's always holes in the kids ministry. My yeah, man, <laughs> always holes. That was one of yeah. the jokes I saw that uh, a church was going to start encouraging people to show up on time for church by signing up the people that are late for kids ministry. Oh, there we go. Yeah. That'll do it real quick. Yeah. You'll always be full. Yeah. 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 You'll always have a full, a full ring of volunteers. So yeah, long um, story short, I would say just kind of join and join with them. If you really want to encourage them, I'd say, you know, doing it side by side with them is, is, is my advice. If you really yeah. want to encourage them. Yeah. Well, and I loved the the phrase you used, trench mate. You know, we use yeah. the, the the phrase here in the trenches. We're yeah. in the trenches of Christian life where where the hands get dirty, the hands mm-hmm. get blistered and bloodied. But in my experience, that is where the true ministry happens. Yeah. That is where the true change happens and where lives are are affected with the gospel and you're serving with your brothers and sisters, cleaning a bathroom or or taking somebody out to coffee because you know they're struggling. You know, that yeah. like, that's where service happens. And I really want, and that's just kind of the goal of the podcast, I guess, is I want to bring more value into that type of service where you might not be the guy that's up front preaching or or or, or teaching, or you might not be the head of this huge ministry, but the effectiveness that you can have as a single inv- individual in the context of your local church is huge mm-hmm. because there's not a lot of people that are doing it yeah. uh, because they're either, you know, they think, well, you know, I'm not, I'm not equipped to do it, or maybe I'll be rejected. Maybe, maybe that's not something that's, that's within my gifting. You know, anybody can take anybody out to coffee. Yeah. Anybody can, can ask somebody, Hey, how are you doing? And not be okay with, Oh, things are great. We're busy. Right. <laughs> it's like, that's, that's everybody's answer. Right? That's, that's a church answer. We're really busy right now, <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah, uh, which is, which, which just means that things aren't going too well. <laughs> mm-hmm. And just bringing back the value of that and not seeing that as a lesser. You have to be open. You know, I, I, I fell into that as well. When I was the first couple of years after being saved, I was like, I want to mm-hmm. be a missionary. I want to be sent. I want to be a missionary somewhere. And we all have this idea of what that looks like. But just because you're not like in Africa doesn't mean that you're not a missionary. And I think it was on top of a roof with a bunch of my coworkers that I had that realization. Like he actually did answer my prayer and I am a missionary. Like right they're, now. They're all around you. Yeah. Because yeah. they're, they're talking about pornography and going out after work to go get drunk and hear here I am, not by my own doing, but because I like to do everything unto the Lord, I don't look at pornography or talk about it with them or look at the pictures that they try to show me. So they're they're like, who is this guy? You know, What is that that he has in them that he doesn't desire these same things that we desire? But I think that's the one of the best types of missionary work that you can have. You know, first to Jerusalem, you know, you got to you got to be a witness here in America as well. If you want to be a witness out in Africa, but you can't witness to your fellow Americans, you know, you, you, you're missing a great opportunity there. So being, being open to being, when you're asked, you know, from your, from your church leadership, if they ask you to do something, just try it out at least a little bit. You know, I, I definitely recommend that people will go into the church service and they'll make that prayer and like, Oh Lord, please use me. And after service, the pastor will come up and be like, Oh, we don't have somebody for this Sunday morning. You know, do you know of anybody that can help out? And they're just kind of nodding their head. <laughs> <laughs> not, not me. Not yeah. Me. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, no. I've had a few of those experiences before. You know, I, mm-hmm. I've prayed in church before. Lord, man, I was, Lord, I wish you would use, use the gifts that you have given me. 
mm-hmm. right? And then something like that will come up and be like, well, Lord, like, is that are those really the gifts that you gave me? Like, should I, should I really be using them like that? Like, yeah. I, like, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I was thinking on a larger scale, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and preferably in front of people. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's kind of where I'd like to be. Yeah, definitely. It's kind of funny. Um, my, one of my mentors in this aspiring men program. So like the head pastor was, was there in our group as well. And, you know, I'm in a room full of other aspiring men that we desire eldership of one type or another. Yeah. So he was saying that if if you're a pastor of a church, you're an elder, and you ever des- decide that you're too good to scrub a toilet, you need to leave that calling and that position immediately. Fantastic. You should, you should be willing to. You know, it doesn't say that you need to go and do that constantly, but you need to at least be willing to if the opportunity ever came to it where you needed to. Right. You know, like right. Well. That, well. And and not even just willing. Like I would say joyful. Like yes. You know, I get mm-hmm. to I get to serve my church in yeah. this way. You know, in making mm-hmm. the decisions for the spiritual direction of the church, but also I get to clean my church's toilets, right? Yeah. Like they're both they're both very important. He was making a good point that if we ever did start to be a pastor at a church, if we got sent off, you know, there, there's going to be a period where you might have to be the janitor and the worship leader and the pastor until you can train somebody up to do that position, rendering right. service with the goodwill as unto the Lord. That's right. That's right. That's what it's all about. All right. So let's see. We're running out of time here. So as we kind of uh, wrap up, Jay, when you think about Christians that inspire you, both in your life and perhaps, you know, those that that you have read or that you have listened to, what are some of the traits in those Christians that that do that for you? I guess I'd have two sides to that. You know, we have the typical, you know, R.C. Sproul and John MacArthur and Spurgeon. You know the greats. Yeah, Spurgeon. There we go. Yeah, yeah we wait for that Spurgeon one. There. He's he's really <laughs> underrated. I've I've noticed. You know, he's, oh, he's hugely underrated, and I yeah. think he's I think he's I think he's the best out of all of them, at least in my but, opinion. Yeah, that's, that's one of my goals good. to really kind of be like him because I've I've gotten to the point where I'm kind of in my cage stage. I was like MacArthur with the strange fire, you know, like yeah. really just a, a, attacking people. Yeah, just, just a hammer, man, dropping the hammer on them. <laughs> You know, and then you can go the other way and be too soft like a piper, you know, and I, I feel like Spurgeon. Oh, you're going to make people mad with that. <laughs> well, you know, he's, he's super lovey. You know, Spurgeon had that sound doctrine, but was able to speak in love. And that's one of, one of my goals is to be able yeah. to do that. I was reading a book called Celebration of Discipline, and I've really only got through the intro so far. But uh, one one sentence in there was talking about being able to take your mind and lower it down into your heart, so you're teaching through your heart. Oh yeah, right. And you know, so that's that's something that I really enjoy and appreciate when people can do that, when they can have sound doctrine and have convictions, but also speak in love with people and not right. belittle people, and, and remember that our understanding of the spirit of of the scripture is from the spirit. You know, like, let's not get cocky about understanding what the scripture says, you know, because right. we're going to be like Peter or we're going to, you know, answer correctly. And he's be like, yeah, you answered correctly. And then a couple seconds later, it's, you know, get me behind me, Satan. <laughs> you're just a jerk. Yeah. It's like, it's like, you're, you're not wrong. You're just a jerk. Yeah. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You've already got the beard, man. So you're halfway to Spurgeon yeah. right there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. 
I got my that's reformed right. my reformed beard. That's right. That's right. Yeah. 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 No, I'm a I, I think I've been thrown out of the reform camp just because I can't grow a beard. Yeah. But that's okay. I'm I'm still sneaking my way in. We were talking about that. <laughs> I didn't know if I wanted to bring that up. It might be a sore subject with you. You know, it's you know, it's something that that the Lord has uh used to humble me for it's sure. It's a uh, it's a thorn in my in my it's a thorn in my chin, more more yeah. than more likely. <laughs> yeah. But can you no, give me some no, more thorns and make it in the shape of a beard? <laughs> <laughs> I, I i got my hair cut the other day and the barber was looking at my beard and he's like so like is that is that it is that what you do <laughs> and i'm like man just cut my hair yeah there goes your tip uh, yeah yeah thanks i appreciate that man like yeah do you have like <laughs> i'll need to get plugs i wonder if they make beard plugs they probably do you know yeah like, they probably do it's, it, it's it is man it's 2019 so what i'm getting from you is humility. Humility is one of the main traits that you appreciate yeah. in, in, in Christians. But I strive for and then appreciate when I see. In my opinion, uh, so take it for you know, take it for what it's worth, humility has to be the main trait of a Christian, especially if they're going to be in leadership. Yeah. If 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 a person is void of humility and pride is present, that is going to affect and infect literally everything about them. Mm-hmm. Their actions, their motives, their thoughts, their speech. Everything is going to be done through the filter of how does this make me look in this situation instead of how can I make Christ much bigger than he already is to these people? Just take a look at Christ, you know, like God coming down and humbling himself to come into human form and then letting himself be you know, tortured and scoffed and cursed at and and giving up his life you know these are the ultimate examples of humility um okay well we are just about out of time so what i'd like to do now jay is throw at you some monday hot takes this is where i uh ask you a question and you give me the the first thing that pops into your head you ready for these i think so all right all right here we go favorite movie elf (laughs) what (laughs) with with will ferrell (laughs) We all right, watch, all right. We watch that movie even if it's not Christmas time. Oh man, okay, all right. We're Sounds not good. a Santa Claus family though. Like my, my, I have to watch out for my son because we'll be in a store and he'd be like, "But Santa Claus is dead, though." <laughs> oh no, <laughs> <laughs> he died a long time ago. It's like, no, no, son, just, just, just yeah. keep that to yourself. It's yeah. all right. Yes, Santa Claus died. A lot of people don't want to. Uh, all right, Elf. Uh, favorite band? Probably King's Kaleidoscope. Oh, okay. All right. I have a top three, really. It's the Sing Team, King's Kaleidoscope, and Pacific Gold. Okay. I I go for doctrine over musicality, but they have both. What kind of genres of music are you into? Uh, Probably like indie rock. Okay. All right, indie rock. It has to have sound doctrine in it. Sure. Yep. No, I hear you. I'm not going to sing Reckless Love. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) <laughs> but Jay, the love came down with a sloppy wet kiss. You didn't know that? <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Uh, let's see. Worst book you've ever read. Ooh. You could just say the Book of Mormon and we could get this over yeah, with. Yeah, right? that's actually – I mean, but I, I actually didn't read through it. <laughs> so you, I, you weren't a very good Mormon, yeah, right? From the get-go. I was like, okay. uh, let's see. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Coffee. All right. What is something about current Christian culture that annoys you? The radio stations that we listen to. Oh boy, yeah, I'm with you on that one, man. Uh, favorite theologian? Well, we, we got. I like Sproul. Yeah, 
yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. It, he's hard to beat, man. His, his systematic theology books are just really presenting stuff to me in a way like I'm like that's good. I like that. Star Wars or Star Trek? You know, I'm a either or. I'm not really. I like what? to actually. I like to make both. You, you sides are the. Angry. You are a unicorn, man. Yeah, I like what? to like mess up quotes on purpose. To, <laughs> oh no! To make them really angry. I bet you're just so much fun in the in the workplace, yeah. aren't you, Jay? <laughs> and uh, let's see. When you get into heaven, other than Christ, obviously, who's the one person that you're going to be running toward to meet? See, that's another area where I'm one of those guys. Where I'm like, when I get to heaven and see Christ in all His glory. Who cares about anybody else? I'm going to be too busy with my face flat on the ground, worshiping Christ to care about talking with anybody else that's there that's not Christ. I hear you. Yeah, I've been accused of uh, my love for Spurgeon so much that when I get into heaven, Christ is going to be there with his arms open and I'm going to run right past him, right into the arms of Spurgeon. Yeah. And I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, hold on. Hold, I, on, I, I get, hold on. Wait, hold on. There's this guy I've been waiting to meet. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's, that's not true. I'd like to go on the record by saying right now that's not true, but Spurgeon will be second. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Well, hey, we are out of time. Uh, this podcast yeah. is over. Uh, so, hey, I wanted to thank you for coming on, Jay. It was a lot of fun talking to you. Um, yeah, pleasure. Thanks for asking. You guys uh, can head over to iTunes, leave a review, head over to JoshLoftus.com for podcast info and show notes, Facebook.com slash Everyday a Monday podcast. Thanks for being in the trenches with us today. We will catch you on the next app of Everyday a Monday.